0: think maybe yeah I can find it somewhere around here I think well please turn with me to John chapter 17 John chapter 17 John seventeen. Let me get in myself. difficulty please stand right? by I see I see it now I got two bars on the battery. How about now? Can you hear me? We can hear you. Yeah. This isn't on. oh well See about transforming. <laughs> I need to have a mic on if not need to pretend, right? <laughs> All right. Try this again. This is John chapter 17, isn't it? John 17. Well, out of respect for the word of God, would you please stand, John 17, We read the entire chapter. <clears throat> the word of God, let us hear it together. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father... Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name, those that thou hast given me. I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, The world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. Please be seated. Let us pray together. Our Father, we thank you again for your word of truth. Make it a lamp to our feet and a light to our path this evening. Come to us, we pray. Breathe upon us. Oh, meet with us and commune with us from above the mercy seat. God, shine, shine upon us. Give heavenly strength to us. Above all, show us the beauty of the Savior. Hear our prayer. We ask these things in his name. Amen. The Lord commanded Moses to instruct Aaron, the high priest, and his sons to bless the children of Israel. In so doing, they were to say unto unto them, The Lord bless thee, and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee, and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee, and give thee peace. One is made to wonder what the reaction must have been when the children of Israel heard those words in Numbers chapter 6. What the reaction must have been that stemmed from the people when they heard those words. The one who makes the sacrifices on our behalf, the one who takes our sinfulness Put this one on this side, so I don't knock it over, and I drink this one on this side as well. Thank you, sister. <clears throat> the one who makes the sacrifices on our behalf, the one who takes our sinfulness before the throne of holiness so that we may be forgiven, the one who represented human beings before the divine being is saying, "The Lord bless thee and keep thee." What? <laughs> What had to have been the reaction? You do know, you do realize, you do know that the priest put his life on the line for the people. What, what, what did I mean by that? He cannot go in. He cannot go in with what he thought was sufficient. Are you still with me? In other words, he just couldn't go in before God any way he wanted to go in. No, he had to go in with what, God, with what God required. To do otherwise would cost him his life. The word bless in that text in Numbers chapter 6 in the Old Testament sometimes referred to happiness. It is a reaction to one's circumstance, situation, or status. Other times, the word means to fill with power. To fill with power so that one can do what God called him to do. Stick with me a little bit. I think this is the sense in what Moses is using the word. The word keep, Lord bless thee, keep thee. The word keep means to guard, keep a watch over, and protect. So what is Moses saying to Aaron? Tell the people that the blessing they need is for God to fill them with power so that they can carry out the task set before them and for his protective hand to rest upon them. That's what I want you to tell the people. Why would they need God's power and God's protection? Because they have to live in a dangerous world. Even in enemy territory. They will need his protection as well as his power. See, to have God's power and protection is to have his presence. And that's what we want. Let me say that again. To have God's power and protection is to have his presence. That is what you need and that is what I need. And we will need that all of our days. Not to have this or these two things is to have God's frown and not a smile. So likewise, you say, well, why did you read that? So likewise, in our text, We have the high priest, Jesus Christ, saying something similar. He is crying unto his father, not to the people, but the disciples get to hear it. He's crying unto his father for the Lord, the father, to bless them and to keep them. Provide your presence because I'm leaving them behind. To have his protection and power is to have his presence. Well, why, why would he do that? Just like the Israelites, they will have to work in enemy territory. They will need God's protection and God's power. Just so that you and I are aware, the enemy is not going to let us work in enemy territory without a fight. The enemy is going to do everything in his strength and he's going to use everything he has so that we would need everything that God has in order to fight. I hope you're listening. He is not a lightweight. (laughs) The disciples of Jesus Christ are not dealing with an amateur fighter. He is not a rookie. This is not his first rodeo, if you will. He is very skilled at what he does. So we look at the prayer again, the prayer that changed everything, part seven. Just a quick review of our last message. In our last message, we saw how Jesus prayed concerning one's condemnation. While it may seem as an unusual way to pray, we saw that what we saw that what continually gripped the heart of Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of Scripture. He kept that before his mind's eye. Scripture must be fulfilled. In other words, from Genesis to Malachi, Jesus is Scripture focused. He wants to see all things accomplished. All things we examine that to condemn one is none other than Judas Iscariot, the son of perdition. We looked at all the privileges Judas enjoyed as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Singing with Christ, eating with Christ, talking with Christ, laughing with Christ, learning to pray from Christ, hearing the teachings of Christ, And seeing the miracles of Christ, Judas had privileges. We concluded that Judas had no interest in Christ. No love for Christ, even though he had all of those privileges. Judas threw it all away. We heard the voice of Judas saying to us, don't do the same. You will never get those privileges again. Judas was a fake and no one knew it except Jesus. (laughs) Let me see if I can say that again because it's pretty scary. Judas was a fake among the disciples and no one knew it except Jesus. Jesus himself said, have not I chosen you twelve. You would have think they would have picked up on this. Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil. You Think somebody said, (laughs) Judas. Judas. No, they didn't even know. (sighs) He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. You can be among God's people and not be one of His people. It's a scary thing. You can enjoy all the privileges, sing all the hymns, even have a Bible in your hand, and be a wrong Christian and not be a Christian. That's pretty scary. Next, we looked at Jesus' prayer for our jubilation that's our joy. We define joy as the internal gladness that stems from a heart that is moved by God and that is fixed on God. It is not based on circumstances, talking about joy, or any particular situation. Joy has a connection with the heart to God. Joy. Does it matter the situation? Does it matter what's going on? When the heart is overwhelmed with God and fixed on God, it has joy. We also saw that joy is tied to our unity. (laughs) Listen, joy is tied to our unity. You you, you won't have a joyous group of people if there's disunity. I wouldn't care if the person thinks he's right. It wouldn't be any joy. It's tied to our unity. This will give the body success. I I, got to say it this way. Brothers and sisters, I, I think we focus too much on individual success the success of individuals, per se. Now, we want, we want one to thrive, don't get me wrong in what I'm saying, but we focus too much on individual success. The grand scheme of God is for communal success. That is the success of the community, the body. There is to be a living, active labor of love for the success of the body of Christ, not just simply individuals. Christians are to work, listen, Christians are to work with each other, not against each other, for the body's success. I said it on Wednesday, I'll say it again. We are each other's companion, not each other's competition. So at the heart of their joy and ours is unity, and at the heart of unity is love one to another. If there is not love or no love, there will be no unity. And there will be no joy. So we ought to pray for practice unity. Practice unity. I didn't say uniformity. <laughs> we just think everything alike, walk alike, dress alike. I didn't say uniformity. I said unity. The day will come when we will all be uniform. Every knee shall bow, that will be uniform. Every tongue will confess, it will be uniform. And it will be unity. Now, we ought to pray for practice unity. How we ought to pray for practice unity. How we ought to mourn for disunity. And how we are to examine ourselves as to how we are helping in the matter of unity or contributing to disunity in the body of Christ. So we come to our first point. Christ prays concerning the disciples' reception of the word. Verse 14. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus said he has given, he had given to his disciples God's word. Jesus has already prayed something similar in verse 8 when he said, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I've already given him your words, plural. Here he says word, singular. Words, plural. I think he's referring again to the precepts and the commands and instructions that he has given to the disciples concerning God Almighty. But here in the verse, I think this word consists of the body of teaching surrounding God's promise of salvation and his beloved son. They have received the word, not just heard the word. They've received it. Jesus has assured them of God's love that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He assured them of God's love. Jesus had told them of God's forgiveness, that the Father was and still is ready to forgive all who come to him through his Son. It's free. It's free forgiveness that costs God everything. To be forgiven of the sins of the mind, the mouth, the motives, and the deeds. God freely does that. Maybe I should put it this way. God paid for your forgiveness. Can I put it that way? That's what he did. The father was and still is ready to forgive all who comes to him through his son. Jesus taught them how guilt could be removed, how sin could be covered, and how sinners could be reconciled to God. That's what he taught them. And he is still the way of God, the truth of God, and the life of God to sinners, Jesus Christ. But I want to focus on something else. There's a blessing in receiving the word. They received the word. Jesus said, I've given them your word. Verse 8, they received it. I've given them your word. That body of truth, I've given it to them. They've received it. How about us? Are we receiving the word when it's given? There is a blessing in receiving the word. Let us never forget that it is a privilege to hear the word of God. It's a privilege to hear it. Do not forget that. At one time, the word of God wasn't as available as we have it now. Wasn't as available. Stay with me. When the prophet Samuel was a young boy, the scripture said, and the word of God was precious Literally rare, rare. In those days, there was no open vision. Do you hear it? At one time, the word of God was rare. It's a privilege to hear the word of God. It's a blessing. Here we are. Here we are in America, even in the world, but in America, flooded with Bibles. Flooded with Bible software, flooded with sermon websites, flooded with good books, flooded with Bible tracts, flooded with Bible colleges and seminaries, flooded with churches. The word is everywhere in a sense. Everywhere. But very little change. Everywhere. It's not like in Samuel's day, it's rare. You can find a Bible literally anywhere. Thrift store. Dollar store, Walmart, I mean, anywhere. You can find it anywhere. You have so much access to the Word of God, it's incredible. Do we suffer from biblical ignorance? Or do we suffer from Bible rejection? It's everywhere. Look at all these privileges we have. And I hope we don't experience. Some may say we are are already there. I hope we don't experience what the children of Judah and Israel experienced because they didn't appreciate the privilege that they had of hearing the word. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. The Lord said this. Behold, the days come or the days are coming. Saith the Lord God that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. I wonder if that's coming. The privileges we have, but we don't make good use of it. Or good use of them. You know my grandma used to say? She used to say, son, you won't miss your water until your well runs dry. That was her favorite saying to me. In other words, you won't appreciate what you had until you no longer have it. It's a blessing to hear the word of God. And it's a privilege to hear it. Also, there is a rich blessing in receiving the word we hear. Not just hearing it, it's a blessing in receiving it. When Jesus taught on how to be persistent in prayer, continuing knocking, asking, seeking, and how the strong man is conquered and his palace plundered, and how demons function in the world, a woman lifted up her voice and said, blessed is the womb that gave birth to you. That was a good compliment, wasn't it? How did the master respond? He said, rather, blessed are those that hear the word of God and keep it. That was his response. He said, I have something better than just to talk about the birth. Blessed are they who hear the word of God and observe it and obey it. Not just hearing the word of God. We have to receive it and obey it. Ah. Blessed is that word. Him, the word of God is not enough. There must be a receiving of the word. That is, you and I must believe what it says and conduct our lives according to it. Must. Must. In other words, the word is the heavenly chisel. (laughs) The word is the heavenly chisel to shape And to mold our lives into what God intended them to be. Characterized after Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the word. And the hand of the spirit. It's not for us just to read and say, oh, I just read my Bible today. It's designed to shape us. Why would it do that? Because by nature, we're twisted. Twisted in our thinking. Twisted in our talking. Just Twisted, and God's word is coming in the power of the spirit to untwist us, making us what we should be. There's also a danger in receiving the word. Not only is there a blessing in receiving the word, but there's also a danger in receiving the word. I think it's right in the text. He said, I have given them thy word, and the world have hated them. A danger. Jesus mentioned that something happens when you receive the word of God, but what in the world would that be? It's the world's hatred. It's a danger in receiving the word. Please notice that Jesus did not say that the world is going to rejoice when a heavenly change happens to a person. It's not in the text. The change is positive from heaven's perspective, but the change is negative from the world's perspective. (sighs) Believe it or not, believe it or not, the heavenly change is offensive to the world. Believe it or not. It is because the world loves darkness and is in darkness. Now, when I'm speaking of darkness, I mean the world loves its evil deeds. Because of this, any light that shines in the darkness is going to be rejected and detested. Any light. Now, am I saying every single person is going to reject us? You can have unsaved people that that, that like you, (laughs) When the Lord saved me, my my uncle, who was very close to me, he just said, "I don't know how to deal with you." He said, "I don't know what to do. I I just don't know what to do with you. I don't know what to say. I don't know, I don't know what to do. You're not the same person." So I'm I'm not saying he he stopped loving me. Maybe he you know, he didn't talk to me much after that. I know that much. As much as he did, because he didn't know how to communicate with me. I said, I'm just, uh, I'm the same nephew, just with an internal change. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all. So, but when we're rescued, when someone is rescued, the pressure from the world is coming. It's coming. You cannot Get away from the pressure. We can try. We're going to see that in, in, just in a moment. You can try to say, I'm, a, I'm just a hide off in the cave somewhere. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. The pressure comes when you're, ble- when you're a brain plucked from the burning. Listen to how Jesus puts it. And this is the condemnation. Notice condemnation that light is coming to the world. I think he talks about himself there. And men love darkness rather than light. What what did you say? Men love darkness rather than light. You were darkness, weren't you? Before you were rescued, you were darkness and in darkness. You didn't care anything about the light. You may have just did some things just secretly that some people do outwardly. Why? Why? Jesus gives us a reason why. Because their deeds were evil. That's what he said. It's a love for darkness because of evil deeds. Sinfulness. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Here's the word. Rejects it. Everyone that doeth practices evil... Hate the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be what? Reproved, Expose? Who wants to be exposed? Who wants to be exposed? The last thing we want is for someone to find out we have been engaging in evil secretly. Who wants to be exposed? Jesus said that's what happens when the light comes. It shines, and people don't want that. That's why there is hatred. If you, put myself in there when I said you, if you are a friend of the world, then you will be an enemy of God. That's that's Bible, that's not Clarence, that's Bible. If you are a friend of the world, listen carefully, you are an enemy of God. And if you are a friend of God, you're an enemy of this world. Should you catch that? Mm-hmm. Enemy of God, friend of the world. Friend of God, enemy to the world. Mm-hmm. Jesus has already warned his disciples of this back in chapter 15. He said, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. Did you hear that? If you're of the world, the world would love his own. The world loves his own. But when you're drawn out of the world, that love that used to be there is hatred now. It's rejection. Detestation. you Amen. You mean, well, let me move on. He said, but because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore, listen, the world hates you. I've chosen you out of the world. It hates you. John chapter 15. Young people, you need to settle it in your mind. Whose side are you on? You need to settle it in your mind. Whose side are you on? Can you say it like Joshua in a sense? Can you say it like Joshua? Joshua told the children of Israel, "Choose you this day." And he wasn't talking about God when he said that because he's already mentioned God. He said, "Choose you this day whom you will serve. If it's not the Lord, choose one of these pagan gods. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Regardless what what everyone else does, we're standing firm." We will serve the Lord. You have to settle it in your mind whose side you are on. Kind of like when Moses asked the same question when the children of Israel formed their idolatrous worship around the golden calf. Moses asked the question, who's on the Lord's side? He's talking, listen, he's talking to people whom the Lord rescued out of Egypt. And now they have an idolatrous worship around a golden calf. This is the thanks you give to God after being rescued? Who's on the Lord's side? Come over here. Everyone didn't come. You would think everyone would run and say, I am. No, 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 no. That's not how it happened. Second, I don't need a Jesus pray concerning the disciples' reception of the word. Secondly, Jesus prays concerning the disciples' separation from the world. I think it's still right there in verse 14. It's wrapped up in his words, because they are not of the world. Jesus stated that his disciples were not of the world. Their hearing, receiving, and believing the word of God made them different. Their hearing, receiving, and believing the word made them different. Their goal is different. It's now God's glory. Their destination is different. It's heaven. Everything is different. When God saves us, we see things differently. It's like the man who was going to church for years and years, and he thought the people were all strange and something was wrong with the people. And then all of a sudden one Sunday he showed up and he said, "Wow, what happened? Everybody seems so nice. Everybody's so kind. All oh, the people are so loving." It's that the fact that he just got converted. He saw everything differently. Everything changes. God changes us from glory to glory, if you will, from one degree to another. Some 34, some 60, some 104, but we're changed nonetheless. If God has converted you, saved you, a change ought to be happening. That's right. If a change isn't happening, something's wrong. Yes. Something's wrong. You should have what I said before, a used-to-be story. <laughs> Well, Brother Clarence, I grew up in a Christian home. I don't know about all those outward things. You got some inward stuff. (laughs) You know about some inward stuff. Praise the Lord for some of us who've been preserved from all the wretchedness. But inward wretchedness, inward wretchedness, you know about. The thoughts that go through the mind. That's enough to condemn us already. You want to bang nothing against a wall, or the thoughts you—the thoughts that go through that no one sees except God. He can read it. It's amazing. We know thoughts from words. God read thoughts <laughs> without words. That's enough to say, Lord, would you wash me? Their destination is different. They are traveling to heaven. They have been snatched out of the world of darkness and lostness. The immense debt they owed have been canceled because the payment owed has been paid in full. They're in a different realm altogether. Thinking is different. They have been washed with the best cleansing product available to mankind, the blood of Jesus Christ. Everything's different. It's different. I don't know about you. I still remember everybody. I I still remember when a guy used to be a good basketball player. I turned what we would call religious. He'd walk around in Bible and suit and all that stuff. And we would see him. He was a real good basketball player. And he gave all that up. And he tried to talk to me. And, you know, I would be cordial. I didn't want to hear any of that stuff. He would talk to me about Jesus. I didn't want to hear about Jesus. I kindly, see all that? <laughs> that's what I did. I didn't want to hear it. I wasn't interested in Jesus. What happened? The light shined in darkness. That's what happened. And the same thing happens to everyone, whether you're quiet or not quiet, whether you're buck wild or not buck wild. When the light shines, it exposes, and you see you, and you see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you say, I want him. How in the world could I have sinned against such a good God? Would, what was I thinking? You wasn't thinking. You would forgive me? And there's a struggle sometimes, isn't it? You really would forgive me? I've done all these bad things. Oh, my son specializes in badness. Does he really forgive me? Would he really forgive me? Would he do it? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. He's proven it a million times over. I don't deserve it. He knows that. That's why it's called mercy. The debt has been paid in full. They have been washed in the best cleaning product. They are now in the kingdom of light and love, pulled out of the kingdom of hatred and darkness. They have been transformed from enemies, from being enemies of God, to friends of God. Totally transformed. Furthermore, listen, furthermore, they have an elder brother who is the ruler of all the kings of the earth. He's king of kings and lord of lords. What a change. Moreover, they have been adopted into a newfound family, the family of God, the great Jehovah. They have been given the family's wardrobe, the righteousness of God. They have been given the family's agent, the spirit of God. They have been joined to the family's heir, the son of God. And for all eternity, they will live in the joy, love, and worship of God. They have it all. They've been rescued. A change has happened. And because that change has happened, the world hates it. Hates it. The world sometimes, my brothers and sisters, do not want Christians around, right? Because of the guilt that happens when Christians are around. We can't do what we want to do. Can you leave? (laughs) Can you leave? You show up someplace or someone has said a a, a word that they shouldn't say and they see see someone who's a Christian, they say, oh, excuse me, that ever happened to you? So, man, you have to, <laughs> listen. I appreciate the respect, but think about God for a moment. That's right. We can't do what we, we we're restricted because these Christians are around. That's why they want us gone. <laughs> you see it all around. I hope you. I hope you're not missing it. It's all over. They want us gone. This. And these, maybe I should say, these things separate them from the world. They've been brought out of the world. But not only does Jesus pray, listen, not only does Jesus pray for their reception of the word and their separation from the world, Jesus prays for his disciples' participation in the world. Stay with me. I think it's right there in the text. Watch there. After he says, I am not of the world, let's talk about his own separation at the same time. He's getting ready to leave. Anyone who's looking at the life of Jesus Christ knows it is a separate life, different from all. Sinless, spotless, righteous. But he says this way, verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, <laughs> but you should keep them from the evil. Why in the world would Jesus pray something like that? (laughs) Why would he pray, leave them in the world? Why would he do something like that? Why doesn't God just save a person and transport him or her immediately to glory? Why didn't he do that? Why is it that believers have to stay and face the hostility, insults, mockery, and rejections of the world? Why? God can just save. Okay, that one gone. Save. That one gone. Group. Save. Gone. Why does he leave them in the world? I think these are questions that need to be answered. I think the reason God leaves believers in the world are Several. But just let me give you a few. Number one, so the world could hear the gospel. <laughs> and so the world could hear the gospel. If we're gone, who's going to give the message? The world needs the good news in the midst of bad news. And you have to point out the bad news because they don't believe there's bad news. We have been left behind so that the gospel could go forth. We have been left behind so that someone can hear about what Jesus Christ, the righteous one, has accomplished. That God has sent his son into the world to live for sinners, to die for sinners, to rise for sinners, to ascend for sinners, to pray for sinners, and to come back for sinners. So that the world can hear the gospel. Well, number two, I think God left his people in the world so that the world could see firsthand the love of God. Listen, the world will not see Jesus Christ any other way other than through Christians. You show me another way, they can't see Jesus physically. And they will when he returns, but they can't see Jesus now with physical eyes. So how do they observe Jesus Christ one way through the people? Amen. That's how they see Jesus. Now we're either painting a, a wonderful picture of Jesus or a lousy picture of Jesus. But we're painting a picture of Jesus to the world all the time. It is so that the world may see firsthand the love of God. It's another reason, I think. It is so the world would see what it is, listen, to have peace with God. <laughs> peace with God. The world would be able to observe peace with God, trouble all around. So How could that guy right there just remain calm and sane? I got peace with God. I know who's ultimately in charge. I know who's on the throne. Peace with God. The world would be able to see it in disastrous situations when people are coming apart. got peace with God. When you got peace with God, you can stand calm in the midst of difficulty. I think there's another reason it is so that the world could witness the power of God in changing lives. <laughs> what happened to that? Tell me, tell me, tell me, what happened to you? What happened? Complete change. What happened? Power of God. Amen. You and I know. <laughs> Some things we can change. We can change certain habits, but habits are hard to break. But when you got that overwhelming power of God, when the Spirit comes in and just breaks it and sets you free. Amen. See, I changed life. My high school high school classmates said, please tell me what happened. The world happened to you. What happened? I said, I'd be glad to tell you. A change happens. A breaking. The world gets to experience the power of God. Here you know, I read Greasy the Robert, one of my favorite books, booklets. Hey, Greasy and Company have been broken to pieces by God Almighty, can't get away from their sins, burn the book. No, no, we can't burn the book. Burn the book. Get rid of the book. No, no, it's that book. It's that book. It's just ripping us up. We call that conviction. That's right. And when the conversion happened, they said, oh, listen, we got to go and turn ourselves in. Are you crazy? No, no, no. That's what you do. When you make false, you know you try to get things right. We're going to turn ourselves in. And the power of the gospel, the district attorney is shocked. He said, book, that, the book did that? You, you, you changed. I've never seen this before. Men coming here, turning in their guns, telling us about the murder they've done and say, whatever you give us, we take. Whatever, whatever sentence you give us, we'll take it. And it's so powerful that the man goes and reads the scriptures. I want to see what's in that book. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. The wife says, don't you dare. You stay away from that book. You stay away from that book. He went down and came out converted. So that the world could see the power of God in changing lives. That's why I think he's left in the world. If he had to greasy out in the company, that district attorney or prosecutor would have never experienced that. He saw it. These men can be changed. I want to see how. Oh, I think that's the reason why. I think it's also this. It is so that those who reject the mercy that God has shown and leaving a witness in the world would be self-condemned. God left a witness in the world, and you rejected it. You rejected the world. Word. You condemn yourself. I think there's another reason these both go hand in hand. It is that the world would see that there's a oneness among the people of God. They would see what unity looks like. See the love for God and God loving them, but also their love for one another. is so that the world could see it. We're walking pictures. That's what we are, to the world. Jesus said, leave them in the world. It's another reason why. I think it is. It is so that the world, listen, will witness the provision of God. How God provides for his people is just remarkable. You remember the account in Genesis? Egypt is dark over here, but light is shining over here in Goshen. (laughs) It's so that the world would witness. Look how God provides for those people. Can't get away from it. We are a testimony in this world, y'all. Yeah. Let me just say it this way also. Stick with me, I know our time is going. It is so that the world would have a part of her experience. I want you to listen. So that the world would have a Potiphar experience. what do I mean by that? You remember when Joseph was sold in Egypt right? Ishmaelites and then he's sold to Potiphar and now he's in Potiphar's house. he's kind of a slave servant right in Potiphar's house and 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 they said the Lord was with Joseph. He didn't tell us anything godly and one <laughs> one. And one I ordered about Potiphar. Joseph is in Potiphar's house, and everything he puts his hands to is successful. And it said, Potiphar noticed that the Lord's with that man. And because Joseph was in Potiphar's house, the Lord blessed Potiphar. It's in your Bible. I'm saying a Potiphar experience. Potiphar's house was blessed simply because Joseph was there. Listen, listen to it. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had he put into his hand. May God can bless you in enemy territory. That's right. <laughs> All that he had he put into his hands, that's Joseph's hands. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him oversee in his house. Listen, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. I'm saying the Lord left us in this world so people can have a part of his experience. For Joseph's sake, listen, the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had, all that he had, simply because of Joseph. Please don't miss that. Don't miss that. If I could put it this way, it said that the Lord blessed the Egyptian because he had someone hanging around his property by the name of Joseph. That's why. God's people are in the world all the potiphers reap some kind of benefit all the (laughs) potiphers. a man could be on a job and just laboring away he loves Jesus Christ and he wants to bring him glory and the Lord is just pouring blessings on the company that's why we left in the world (laughs) to be a blessing to the world even to those who won't even seek God for themselves we're here to do that. <clears throat> the world, the world would stamp out the very blessing that it needs. It's insanity. It's insanity. Let's get rid of the blessing. Get rid of the blessing. This is not to lift us up so that God will be glorified because God leaving a testimony in the world. That's what he's doing. Jesus knows and understands that the only one... Oh, let me get to the end part. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Verse 15. He I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. Some translate this evil one. Either way. But notice, God did not save us so that we can hide. Did you hear me? God did not save us so we could hide. Jesus said, I pray... You don't take them out of the world, but I want you to protect them from the evil or the evil one. <clears throat> Jesus knows and understands that the only one who can preserve someone from the clutches of Satan's grip is God himself. He knows it. No, we just can't go hide. No, we just can't spend all of our time in cover up. We don't want to be poisoned per se by the world. But we have to be active in the world. He calls us to participate in the world, to be a blessing to it, and to give them the truth. We can't do that if we're hiding. can't do that. Jesus understands that Satan has been in hot pursuit for a long time. He went after man in the Garden of Eden. He's still going after man right now. And so the prayer is, keep them Preserve them, guard them from the evil or the evil one. We will need God's protection against that giant. We're going to need more than just a few stones and a sling like David. We will need the whole armor of God to stand against the evil one, the wicked one. So Christ prays for our protection There, not just the disciples here. I'm applying this principle to us in general that we constantly need protection, a covering to be preserved from the evil one. We are called upon to persevere, and God is called upon to preserve. And therefore, he said, don't take them out of the world. We need them in the world. We need Christians in the world. And Jesus' words are so true in Matthew chapter 16 when he said, the gates of hell will not prevail. The church isn't going anywhere. Doesn't matter how much attacks come, the church is not going anywhere. Some of us as Christians will die, but there still will be Christians around. It's not going anywhere. We have the promise from the master. The gates of hell shall not prevail. I love it. The gates of hell shall not prevail. It lets us know that the church is not on the defensive, but on the offensive. The church is moving forward, and the kingdom of darkness has to put up some kind of defense. He said won't prevail against the church. We will not be deceived, God helping us by the enemy, with the trickery of how he uses the scriptures, how he changes the word, how he takes what God said and turns it into something God never meant. We have to stand in this world. Christ prayed that we should. His prayer will be answered. It is being answered. He prayed that we would take this truth. We're going to look at some of that as we go along. He prayed that we would take this truth, and it's the truth concerning himself. And as he said in Matthew chapter 28, lo, I am with you all the way to the end. We could go. We could live in this world. See, we have the promise that Jesus is with us all the way to the end. I love it. I'm with you always. Always. well, Who would not want to be loved by God? He is the wisest being, the sweetest being, the richest being, the kindest being, and the loveliest being in the universe. Who would not be loved by him? Oh, my friend, where there's God's preserving power, his keeping power, we have staying power to keep on going. Because our master prayed for it. So Jesus has prayed that we have received that word, his disciples, and us as well, and that we should walk in this word, and that there is such a thing as the world's hatred. You can't get away from it. That's, that is not to discourage anyone from following Jesus Christ. You just need to understand what comes with the territory. If any man comes after me, let him take up his cross. What? What? And follow me. But not only that, if any man will follow me, let him count the cost. It may cost you everything. It's a world. It's not the friend of God. But it's a world we call a living to the glory of Jesus Christ. Let's tell the world about a great Savior who truly saves. And let's live in it to his great glory. And when he comes back, may we be found faithful. May he be able to say to us, well done, because we have done well. Thank you. May the Lord help us. Let us pray. Our Father, thank you again for tonight. Thank you for your kindness to us. Lord Jesus, how much we need you. Thank you for that prayer on our behalf. Forgive us when we had tight lips not wanting to tell people about your glorious name. Forgive us of such things. Lord, help us to be bold in proclaiming who you are. That's the only thing that's going to help the world. That glorious message of the gospel, the best news that human ears could ever hear. Oh, Spirit of God, help us and assist us, we pray. Strengthen us. May we not waver. May we not retreat. May we march forward even in enemy's territory. Bless our efforts for your great glory, for the glory of Christ, and for the glory of our Father. Hear our prayer, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please stand. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith, to God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. God be with you till we meet again.